There's nothing in the world quite like Rodeo Drive. I'm Bronwyn Cosgrave. Hello, and welcome to Rodeo Drive, the podcast. In 1972, Stefano Ricci launched a tie company in Florence, Italy. Now, Stefano and his sons, Niccolo and Filippo, operate a lifestyle brand that caters to the super rich. You know, I always put myself in the shoes and say, okay, what I would like to uh, wear to travel on a private jet, get on a super yacht and uh, travel the world or go to a meeting and show a power look. Next year, Stefano Ricci celebrates its 50th anniversary. We are going to share the story of how the man Stefano Ricci built his fashion empire. Grammy Award-winning composer David Foster will tell us why Stefano Ricci's clothes are irresistible. When you wear the shirt, when you wear the tie, when you wear the pants, it just all, you know, of course, fits like a glove because they make sure it does, but it just feels so good and it looks so good. We'll hear what's in store for the house from Stefano's sons, and we will meet the founder himself. I've been lucky to choose a business that I still like, like those days. First up, how are things going on Rodeo Drive? Let's check back in with Kathy Gohari, Vice President of the Rodeo Drive Committee. Well, we are finally at the orange tier, which means we have some indoor dining. We have had some of our restrictions lifted and the governor's planning to open the economy back up to full open on June 15th, I believe. So that means that we're planning to have a semi-normal, safe, cautious, but fun summer ahead of us. Can you feel that on the street when you walk down Rodeo Drive? Is there a sense of optimism? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, depending on what category of people you're seeing on the street, we are seeing already tourists. We are seeing residents who are confident about being vaccinated and leaving their homes. We are seeing people actually shopping for small events. And these are all things that a few months ago we really did not see on the street. So we are absolutely uh, feeling very positive and optimistic about what's to come. So, Kathy, on this episode, we are celebrating Stefano Ricci, someone who brings a particular energy to the street. Can you talk to me about Stefano Ricci and his boutique and perhaps tell us what Stefano does that's different? Oh, my goodness. So the Stefano Ricci boutique is located at Tu Rodeo, and it is absolutely one of the most iconic, most photographed angles of the entire street. And with the opulence of the Stefano Ricci in the background, it is the perfect picture of Rodeo Drive for tourism. And then you walk inside and you have entered a small gateway to heaven. (laughs) Talk about Italian workmanship to the max at every detail. When I say detail, I mean the types of wood that was imported, the types of stones, the little details of fitting rooms where you would place your cup and where the chair is placed. I mean, it is absolutely out of this world. It is one of the most beautiful and well thought out boutiques on the street. How would you say Stefano Ricci is maybe different from Bijan? They were friends and they they worked together. 
So Stefano and his wife, from what I understand, are very involved in um, the art world in Florence. They are very aware and passionate about the beauty that it entails. And I believe that that is what has been infused in the brand, very much like um, Bijan had. He had his own personal touch, and the Ricci's have also done the same thing. They have brought the beauty of Florence, and they have infused it in every aspect of their brands. So it's like a little patch of Florence on Rodeo Drive. Very much so. Between the cobblestone and the architecture in the boutique, if you close your eyes and you listen to Bocelli playing in the background on the speakers, yes, you can be in Florence. That's Kathy Gohari, Vice President of the Rodeo Drive Committee. If you love Rodeo Drive, you'll know it is the home to the world's finest brands. Stefano Ricci is in a class of its own. Stefano Ricci is the lifestyle brand you turn to for tailored suits that cost five figures, for ties encrusted with diamonds, solid gold belt buckles, and for your super yacht, silk made from a loom masterminded by Leonardo da Vinci. The house of Stefano Ricci has dressed Vladimir Putin, Nelson Mandela, and even Pope Francis. Stefano Ricci runs his empire from the family estate in the hills of Florence. The company even owns a crocodile farm. Our crocodile business has been growing in, through the years and has become really important for the, the brand. So we felt there was a need to start uh, strategically to have our own uh, production. And uh, not only that, but uh, in order to create uh, the best quality of crocodile first grade possible. The house of Stefano Ricci denotes rugged yet urbane masculinity, all delivered with extreme attention to detail, craftsmanship, impeccable service, and rooted in centuries of tradition in the city of Florence. Bill Wiley is a director with CBRE and oversees Two Rodeo Drive, home of the Stefano Ricci Boutique. I had the opportunity to go to the factory and see how they make the accessories as well as the clothing, and everything is handcrafted by the, the finest artisans. It's really quite impressive. Their story starts in the early 70s. Stefano's family was in the clothing business, women's clothing. And, you know, I was at university and I thought, my God, uh, men's clothing is so fascinating. So I had to talk to my father and say, I'm not going to continue as your business. He was quite disappointed, but he understood. He launched his company with his wife, Claudia, in 1972. It was exciting, he says. In those days, it was a beautiful opportunity and a beautiful challenge. And I've been lucky to choose a business that I still like, like those days. His son, Niccolo Ricci, now CEO, was a young boy at the time. You know, this is one of the stories that uh, today it seems impossible to recreate uh, in 2020. It's like the passion of uh, my father, of, uh, he was a collector of ties, and uh, my mother at the time was his girlfriend. So he was uh, 18 and 17 years old. Mm. They start, after one year, this adventure of uh, making ties, taking inspiration by the beautiful uh, roof designs of uh, ancient uh, Florentine palace 
And while my father was designing, my mother was looking after the first samples and the first production. And everything started like that. And your parents were working out of their their home on Via De Nicoli. Why is that home still a part of the Stefano Ricci operation? Uh, that villa was, uh, at the end, was my grandmother was, uh, was leaving. Ah. And we had the workshop on the lower level and our showroom and our office. Today, my brother Filippo lives in Via De Nicoli in the upper floor where my grandmother was, uh, was living. And today we have uh, 40 tailors. Wow. And uh, every day, 40 master tailors uh, go there in order to produce our uh, made-to-measure and uh, bespoke uh, jacket, uh, trousers, and suits. The early years were not always easy. Stefano Ricci worked hard, but he says luck helped too. I met the right people in the right moments, in the right places, and that makes the real difference. In 1974, he got a chance to show his collection in Florence. Buyers from Neiman Marcus, Saks Fifth Avenue, and Harrods were there and placed big orders. Stefano was overwhelmed. But I asked help to my father And uh, this is how the nice adventure started. He attracted attention from luxury retailers in the U.S., including merchants on Rodeo Drive. Nicola Ricci explains. Especially in the late 80s and the 90s, there were many important multi-brand stores that were buying our ties and our shirts. And we were making some exclusive collection for important stores, I would say, for Bijan, for Battaglia. And we met so many clients that this was a natural consequence. We felt to open our first boutique in North America on Rodeo Drive. Then after a few years, you know, we opened in 2011, if I'm not wrong, we opened the second one on Rodeo 2. Bijan was not just a buyer. He was a mentor, a great friend, and a close collaborator, recalls Stefano. I would say the greatest master we have ever had. He never compromised quality to price, you know. He wanted the best, and uh, and I learned a lot from him. Together, they created Bijan Classics, including Bijan's iconic perfume bottle. The company added homeware. They expanded east and conquered emerging markets. Stefano Ricci was ahead of the curve when he opened a boutique in Shanghai, China, in 1993. That was thanks to Alfred Chan. He's now president of their flagship on Rodeo Drive. Alfred had asked Stefano to travel with him to China, his homeland, to scout out potential opportunities. And... uh... We looked at uh, this city that had only bicycle and no lights. But the energy of the eyes of the people was strong. Now there are 70 boutiques worldwide. And says Niccolo Ricci, their interiors all bear the Ricci DNA. Which is made by Travertine, California walnut, and crocodile uh, details. Everything is handmade uh, and built in uh, Florence. Stefano added a finishing touch, an eagle. The large, powerful bird of prey is the symbol of the house of Stefano Ricci. 
Even mannequins are topped with an eagle's head. Filippo Ricci, the firm's creative director, explains why. We start with a concept of three words, which are honor, power, and pride. And uh, in our trips worldwide, we've always seen and found uh, royal eagles, golden eagles uh, during our journeys. And uh, we felt uh, that the eagle would get into the image of the, the brand. So we created the first mannequins for the stores using the eagle head. I love them. We had incredible feedback from the clients. And at that point, we started using the eagle also for the buckles, for the logos and all that. It's an animal that represents power, it represents a fortune, and is very strong in most of the countries in the world. You know, you start from the States, of course, you go to Russia, you go to China, you go to Middle East, Europe. So the eagle has been one of those animals that, you know, flies high over the people and has a wise view and represent freedom. Now, these high flyers who wear Stefano Ricci are prepared to pay a premium. Yes, a mere mortal can purchase a shirt or tie. A tailored suit, however, can cost up to $25,000. But it's worth every dollar, says devoted client David Foster. Because when it comes to Stefano Ricci tailoring, you get what you pay for. Well, I think it's true, but you get what you pay for in every walk of life. And, um, I, you know, clothes are obviously no exception. David Foster is a Canadian musician, composer, arranger, record producer, and music executive. He has won 16 Grammy Awards. He has worked with everyone from George Harrison to Whitney Houston, Beyonce, Celine Dion, Josh Groban, and Mary J. Blige. I can clearly remember the first time I spent $500 on a suit, First time I spent a thousand. The first time I spent two thousand, and and onwards. And um, when I look back at those five hundred dollars suits, they're exactly that. They're five hundred dollars suits. So those suits, whether they're five or six or seven thousand dollars, which is a lot of money, you're paying for the forty or fifty years that they're or more that they've been involved in in crafting these uh, real the, the, these works of art. David Foster first met the designer in Florence at a concert for the Andrea Bocelli Foundation. But then very shortly after, I was taken to the store in Rodeo where I was totally blown away by the quality of these clothes. Hmm. And just the way they deal with customers, it's just astounding. I'd never had that kind of treatment before in my life. Tell me maybe why Stefano Ricci's clothes are on another level, say from... A Italian designer who makes ready-to-wear suits that you can just buy off the hanger. I'm a layman when it comes to clothes, pretty much. But I know that quality is important in every facet of life. And I know that the quality of their thread or of their uh, fabrics is second to none. And I've actually heard the story of how they have this weaving machine, uh, this loom, I guess, that's, uh, I don't know, maybe 6,000 years old. No, I'm exaggerating, but it's very old, and it uh, is part of the process of this, what they do to make these clothes just like nothing. It's like when you wear the shirt, when you wear the tie, when you wear the pants, it's just all, you know, of course, fits like a glove because they make sure it does because that's another thing that they're a real stickler on, but it just feels so good and it looks so good. I believe that loom was invented by Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, so maybe I'm right. It was, well, a few hundred years old at least. Wow. 
these clothes take work. You don't just sort of rock into Stefano Ricci and put on a suit. Tell me about the process of being fitted by a tailor. Well, again, it all comes back for me to Alfred. Of course, Stefano and his sons are right there, and they've been right there with me the whole way, being generous and making sure that everything fits. But Alfred, he's magic, and so there's never even a wrinkle in the clothes. Now, Stefano Ricci has dressed me for the last five years for my show called Asia's Got Talent and then World's Got Talent as well, which is an offshoot of America's Got Talent. So I was constantly being uh, dressed by this incredible company. So I've got suits upon suits, and every day I had to have a new look. So um, I got to experience pretty much everything that they have to offer, and it was just, it was mighty. That was David Foster. Stefano Ricci's client list includes sinners and saints, strongmen in post-communist countries, entertainers, and Pope Francis. Filippo Ricci was at their silk factory when the papal request came in. A few years ago, we had the, the privilege of, of having a visit of a few archbishops. They came to visit the Antico Sitificio Ferentino. So I gave them the tour, and once they were there, I almost fainted because they told me at the end, well, we're here because we would like you to prepare an outfit for Pope Francis that will come and visit Florence. So, you know, we, it was a, an incredible honor to dress up the Holy Father on that occasion. And uh, it was also very nice because the ladies that uh, work at the silk factory decided to donate their work with us to the Pope. And um, we created the outfit which he wore uh, on uh, the general mass in Florence. And uh, he took with him to the Vatican. And you thought Pope Francis dressed down? Now, is it possible to top the Pope? Maybe think Nelson Mandela. When you speak about Nelson Mandela, you speak about uh, real history and uh, the history of humankind, probably. So he's been uh, an icon, he's been an inspiration for us, he's been a friend for the family. Um, I still remember, you know, the first time meeting him in South Africa and then him coming to visit us uh, in uh, Florence and Venice and spending time uh, with the family. And of course, uh, he uh, will bring up always like this uh, uh, fun stories uh, uh, of him wearing Stefano Ricci after he, he was released. He loved those uh, beautiful silk shirts that actually became part of his character and of his, uh, of his icon. So that was... Uh, you know, great part of the Stefano Ricci story. Those beautiful silk shirts are a Stefano Ricci signature. They also produce decorative silk for homes and super yachts. And to make that silk, they are continuing a proud Florentine tradition. The Antico Settificio Fiorentino is a historic silk mill. It was founded in 1786. In 2010, Stefano Ricci acquired it. Because we had just introduced the Stefan Ricci home concept and interior line. And, uh, you know, stepping into that world with the acquisition of uh, a factory that was uh, over 200 years old uh, was, uh, you know, a big step and a big proof to the market itself. Why is this silk workshop culturally significant? So could you explain the sort of heritage which it preserves, including the warping machine designed by Leonardo da Vinci? The connection of uh, silk with Florence goes back to the 
1400 uh, when uh, you know the first silks started to arrive in the city and uh, silk is one of uh, the uh, elements that contributed to the richness and the greatness of the Medici family. If you think that uh, the art of silk, which was uh, one, actually the most important corporation of uh, Florence, was the one that funded most of the realization and the building of the cupola of the Brunelleschi, of the Dome of Florence. So you can really imagine how important silk has been uh, for this city. And uh, the concept that uh, silk in those years, uh, nowadays it's fashion. So uh, fashion, it's art. And that's why they're extremely, extremely connected still nowadays. The purchase of the silk factory connects Stefano Ricci to the heritage of Florence, a small city that is a powerhouse for fashion. Have you never tried on Sunday morning to walk through the narrow streets early morning uh, when uh, the city is waking up? And then you look up to the ceiling of the different palaces, you look to the front of some normal houses and you absorb what the Renaissance has done in that city. How happened that in a so small city you have seen phenomena like Gucci, Emilio Pucci, Ferragamo, which is Florentine without Florentine roots, but it's a beautiful family, and uh, Roberto Cavalli, Prada is close by Florence. Uh, don't you think there is something magic into the city? Mm, it's in the water. The wine, no water, it's the wine. <laughs> <laughs> that helps more than water, by the way. <laughs> Stefano Ricci may look to the past, but this is also a house which is constantly innovating. Threading that needle is now the task of his two sons. It's a heavy responsibility, says Niccolo. Meaning that we have the responsibility to carry on something that has been in the Valley of Florence for hundreds of years. And it's our responsibility to carry on to the next generation how to do it. It's a fare, how to make things by hand and develop them. So starting from the past, developing and make better products every day. The brand is also facing an uncertain future as the fashion industry navigates changes in retail culture, which the pandemic has accelerated. It changed uh, drastically last year, March, when everything was on lockdown. For us, the first priority was the health of our team and our staff, and we succeeded using and implementing every possible way to prevent any form of contagious. So, of course, we could not do events, we could not do fashion shows in the last year. What we've been able to do is first, uh, we've been able to make a platform, B2B, to work with all the managers around the world and to present the collection and to the, our partners around the world that own Stefano Ricci Boutique in order to deliver on time and continue on our production. The same platform has been transformed in B2C, so we could also sell remotely. It's like an advanced way to communicate to our customer, so it's not a very dry e-commerce. It's very personalized with the sharing of a screen that you can talk directly with the manager or with your salesperson that you normally work with. And uh, the future, the future has to be honest. I feel like in the next two or three months, the vaccination will take over the world. By July, August, the world will start uh, 
to travel again but I feel that in the future we'll continue to do live streamings for our shows but uh, human relation has to start again we need to see our customers I want to see journalists I want to show our collection it's important I think uh, we are going to be there soon uh, again in this unstable world, the house of Stefano Ricci holds firm. That may be due to the strength of the family. Like the all-seeing bird that is the company's symbol, Stefano keeps an eagle eye on company operations from the family estate in the hills of Florence. David Foster has spent time there and says the family is as tightly woven as the ultrafine wool in their bespoke suits. I experienced that family bond, which is so tight. The father, of course, is the patriarch, uh, and he makes no bones about it. He's a tough salt of a guy, but he's a, a beautiful guy, and he loves his sons, and they love him. They love their mom, and it's just, uh, it's the way it's supposed to be, but it hardly ever is. Such closeness can simplify the running of the business, says Niccolo. Our board meetings are very easy, and we can take decisions very fast because we can take them during dinner at my parents' home. Sounds delicious. What, aside from food, is the secret of working together harmoniously as a family? I think the important part uh, is that everybody should have his own uh, areas, well-defined. Of course, uh, sometimes it's not easy because there are different uh, opinions. So I think it's a matter of sitting down at a table and putting everything on and trying to discuss it and view which could be the best solution. And uh, the, the important thing is to take decision fast. Do not postpone, but if you have a problem, try to bring it up as fast as possible so that we can move forward. So the Ricci story continues, right where it started, at their grandmother's villa that is now the headquarters of their tailors. The beauty of that place is that today is like being in a school, where the older generation every day teach the last one that joined the group, how to make unique pieces. But not only in the tailor shop, in every department, either where we make the ties, where we make the shirts, the leather goods, the jewelry, the silverware, because I think we have to focus in the future and teach the new generation and how to pass them the heritage and the know-how of this special craftsmanship. For Stefano, as his company approaches 50, this is a time to reflect on all that he has accomplished. There have been challenges along the way, but staying true to his vision has paid off. I always say a man that has a job is a lucky man, but uh, a man that likes his job can be a happy and lucky man. That was Stefano Ricci. You have been listening to Rodeo Drive, the podcast. I'm Bronwyn Cosgrave. On the next episode, we're going to revisit one of Rodeo Drive's original stories, the founding of Giorgio Beverly Hills. Giorgio Beverly Hills is where I first really fell in love with the theater of retail. Rodeo Drive, the podcast, is presented by the Rodeo Drive Committee with the support of the city of Beverly Hills, the Heyman family, to Rodeo Drive, Geary's, and the Beverly Hills Conference and Visitors Bureau. Rodeo Drive, the podcast, is written by Francis Anderton, with editing and audio production by Avishai Artsy. Brian Banks composed the theme music. 
Livia Manduel and Callie McConnell are the production coordinators. The executive producer is Lynn Winter. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Share it with your friends. Join us on Instagram at Rodeo Drive. See you on the street. <laughs>